A bipartisan group of lawmakers have proposed an additional $2 billion for the World Trade Center health program, making up for a shortfall in funding. The program covers health care expenses for 9-11 first responders and survivors dealing with health issues related to that day. Long Island Congressman Andrew Garbarino says the program serves over 120,000 people around the country. This is not a New York problem, but an American problem. Just as 9-11 was not just an attack on our city, but our values as a country. Today, I am making a direct appeal to my colleagues in both the House and the Senate. Look inward. Do the right thing. The proposal would also expand the program to include Pentagon and Pennsylvania first responders. You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news update from the Connecticut, New York region. Northwell Health leaders consider screening patients to help reduce gun violence. Advocates call for a now-closed Middletown youth prison to be demolished. And both sides of the aisle have their issues with Governor Hochul's plans for minimum wage. Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. Northwell Health held its fourth annual gun violence prevention forum today. It brought together 50 hospital executives from around the country who brainstormed ways to stop gun violence. WSHU's Charles Lane reports. Leaders from the largest healthcare systems in the country heard addresses from the director of the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, the U.S. Surgeon General, gun violence researchers and families of those killed by guns. Speakers said that hospitals can help prevent gun violence by screening patients much like they screen for tobacco and domestic violence risks. They also urged healthcare systems to contribute their data on gun trauma. Michael Dowling is CEO of Northwell. And NIH has given us funding and some other health systems funding to do this. And we're using this as a research project. Dowling says that previous forums created an ad campaign aimed at locking firearms when not in use. Charles Lane, WSHU News. Connecticut advocates want a former youth prison in Middletown to be demolished. The state has considered repurposing the building multiple times. WSHU's Molly Ingram has more. The Connecticut Juvenile Training School closed in 2018. Capital Preparatory had submitted an application to the State Board of Education to open a charter school at the site, but say they are no longer considering the location due to community opposition. Diana Martinez is a Middletown resident and a co-facilitator for the Middletown Racial Justice Coalition. We're here to demand that the Department of Children and Families demolish this building so that it can never be used for children again. And we're here to demand a real investment in real public schools and in public needs instead of a diversion of public funds into a semi-private charter. Advocates say the youth prison had a history of abuse and is a stain on the community. Molly Ingram, WSHU News. A new library exhibit in Dix Hills outlines Long Island's history through maps. Visitors are able to view over 30 maps, including souvenir, specialty, and atlas maps on showcase at the library. Huntington Historical Society's Emily Werner helped curate the exhibit along with the library's help. They're just really beautiful. I mean, if you look really closely, you can see, you know, different details. Uh, We have a geological map that shows, you know, 
the streams and the the hills um, and the beaches. Um, so they're just really they're really fun to get up close to and examine. The exhibit is called the Iconic Fish: Early Maps of Long Island, a nod to the island's shape. It's on display at the Half Hollow Hills Community Library through March. Governor Hochul wants to permanently index New York's minimum wage to the yearly rate of inflation, but some critics say that doesn't go far enough. More on that after headlines and the message from our supporter. Support for After All Things comes from Hartford HealthCare. More COVID vaccine answers at hartfordhealthcare.org slash vaccine or 833-621-0600. Long Island ranks fourth in major American population centers for the physical and economic risks of climate change, according to Moody's Analytics. The top three areas are San Francisco, Cape Coral, Florida, and New York City. The report finds Long Island is significantly vulnerable to warming temperatures, raising the risk of exposure to hurricanes, rising sea levels, and drought. Environmentalists recommend offshore wind initiatives, shoring up coastlines, and protecting the aquifer that provides drinking water to millions of Long Island residents. A West Haven, Connecticut contractor who was convicted of conspiring to misuse the city's federal COVID-19 relief funding has filed for a motion of acquittal. John Trisacco conspired with State Representative Michael DeMassa in 2020 to move the money into their personal accounts or companies. State courts have until March 8th to oppose the motion. Submarine Maker Electric Boat presented its annual legislation update for Connecticut business leaders and legislators in Groton yesterday. The big takeaway? They're hiring. In 2022, the company took on an additional 3,900 new staffers, and officials say they're looking for more. The company also wants to spend over a billion dollars with local Connecticut suppliers and businesses across the state over five years as part of their supply chain. New York lawmakers will consider a portion of Governor Hochul's budget plan that links the state minimum wage to the inflation rate. But advocates say the plan falls short. Karen DeWitt has more. Hochul's plan would permanently index the minimum wage to the yearly rate of inflation. It would begin with a minimum wage of $15 an hour. That's the rate in New York City and for fast food workers statewide. Advocates, including many of the state's major labor unions and anti-poverty groups, say that starting wage is seriously inadequate, though. They say it won't meet the needs of workers who are struggling to pay for necessities and who are crushed by skyrocketing prices. Paul Son of the National Employment Law Project says the minimum wage should first be gradually increased to $21.25 an hour between now and 2027. That's the level that the $15 wage would have reached by then if it had kept up with inflation and worker productivity growth since it hit the $15 level back in 2019. San says under Hochul's proposal, the current $15 minimum wage indexed to inflation would rise by just 40 cents an hour, or about $13 a week for a full-time job. $13 is barely enough to buy you a sandwich in New York, and it's far too little for a, to make a dent in the spiraling costs families 
families are facing. Elisa Nam, a part-time worker for UPS, says she's considered an essential worker who helped keep things running during the pandemic. She says she was born in New York City, loves it, and wants to stay. But it's one of the most expensive cities in the world, and she works two jobs just to survive. Gas has gone up. Food has gone up. Rent has gone up. Tuition has gone up. Daycare has gone up. The MTA is about to raise the fare, but wages have stayed the same. That's really unsustainable. Senator Jessica Ramos sponsors the bill to phase in the $21.25 minimum wage and then adjust it to the rate of inflation each year. She says because of inflation, the $15 hourly wage is really worth closer to $12 an hour. Further than that, The state should not be in the business of codifying poverty wages. We've done tremendous work to actually start tackling uh, the grave inequality that we live in here in New York State, where very few, specifically 120 billionaires and the rest of us, have uh, a great disparity in wealth between us. Advocates say there's another flaw in the governor's plan. The yearly annual increase for inflation would be capped at 3 percent, even if inflation is higher than that. The U.S. Department of Labor reports that inflation from January 2022 to January 2023 was 6.4 percent. Michael Kink with the Strong Economy for All Coalition says there's momentum in the Democratic-led state assembly and Senate to adopt the higher minimum wage proposal. He says the measure to begin adjusting for inflation at $21.25 an hour has gained multiple sponsors, including the chairs of the labor committees in both houses. We feel really good about the array of sponsors. There are conservative Democrats, there are moderate Democrats. Kink hopes to see the proposal included in the Senate and Assembly budget plans due out in mid-March. The state's business leaders, including the Business Council, prefer Hochul's plan, which starts at $15 an hour. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or anytime online at WSHU.org or with the WSHU app. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare. And just like everything else you hear on WSHU, this podcast is made possible with support from listeners like you. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing this podcast with your friends. I'm Sabrina Garone. Have a great rest of your evening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.